Hello, everybody, and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, and you're probably a little bit confused if you're a regular listener because you're used to hearing the theme music play before you hear me, um, but I've, I've, I've revamped the podcast this week. Um, so the, I mean, it's the same podcast, um, same vibe, but I've just updated all the peripherals. Um, so the theme music, the logo is all new. Um, thanks to thanks to Mall, who designed um, who designed the original logo for revamping the logo, and thanks to me for uh, for writing the new theme tune, which you'll hear in a minute. Um, I just thought it was about time I had a bit of a spring clean, um, and kind of uh, yeah, I just um, I just felt like the podcast needed a change. In terms of the content this week, though, I spoke to George Sheard, who has a YouTube channel, Ace Creeper, um, on which he posts loads of Doctor Who content, and it's been growing in popularity lately. So I reached out to him um, to have a chat about his channel um, and about the the content he makes and the videos he makes um, and, and kind of his approach to it and his his whole creative, creative process, um, really. Uh, we also had a conversation about spoilery on-set pictures because he sometimes makes videos about that and obviously... It's a bit of a controversial one um, in the fan community because some people don't like being spoiled like that, whereas to some people that, that stuff's gold dust. Um, so we had a bit of a back and forth about that. Um, in that conversation, though, we do kind of describe some of the spoilery pictures that have been circulating in terms of the Series 13 filming. Um, so if you don't want to hear that stuff, I will put a time code in the description of this podcast so that you can look out for it and um, and skip it. Um, but yeah, it was great to talk to George. He then also shared an unpopular opinion, which was um, really prescient because I've been re- re-watching Torchwood lately. And his unpopular opinion was about the much derided uh, Torchwood episode, Cyberwoman. So you've, you've got all that to look forward to. But I'll shut up talking now uh, and let you enjoy the podcast. So do enjoy my conversation with... George Sheard. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo Um, I'm here with George, George Sheard, um, off of YouTube. Um, how are you, George? I'm doing good, thanks. How's um, how's lockdown three treating you? Oh, I shouldn't it's... have these conversations at the start of the podcast because they <laughs> they date the podcasts horribly. But um, yeah, yeah, how's um, it going? Just as badly as the first two. Um, <laughs> I'm at university in London, so it's uh, not exactly the uni lifestyle mm. uh, expected, but Shit, it has been for the last year. So yeah, that sucks. Whereabouts in Whereabouts in London are you based? Um, Harrow, so East London. Oh, okay. Yeah. East, West. Oh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> for someone who was in the Scouts, Harrow is like west. a little way out of London, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, just out the way. It's near Wembley. 
Yeah, for sure. Cool. I'm in London, but in a completely different region of London. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, though, to be doing an, an online podcast with somebody based so near, but that's that's the nature mm. of lockdown, isn't it? Um, of course. Yeah, no, my <laughs> lockdown, not that you asked, but my lockdown is going okay. Um, I, I'm still in the house alone and have been since uh, since Christmas. So it's, uh, I'm a very, I feel like I'm in heaven sent, you know, I'm Peter Capaldi in heaven sent, <laughs> like I'm very used to my own company now. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of constantly followed around my flat by a, a person in a veil and with flies swarming around them. Um, and I, yeah. and I live off soup. Um, so that's going on. <laughs> yeah. You make stuff on YouTube. Um, now, YouTube is a bit mm-hmm. of a, uh, a different world um, to, to podcasts. Um, so what's the experience like of um, of making YouTube videos? How do you find the the kind of community over there? It's, it is weird. And I, I find myself, I don't want to like... Um, took my own horn in any sort of way, but I find myself wanting to use the platform to sort of experiment with new ideas as someone who has an interest in sort of TV and film and that sort of production for like a career down the line. Um, I like to try lots of different things. So my content's never really one thing. And I find that either people who are subscribed to me are like, Oh, this is new. This is cool. Or someone's like, well, I didn't subscribe for this. So it's kind of a weird one for me because I try and cover lots of different things um stick to my roots in some areas but also um kind of explore new ideas and new projects and different things just to sort of keep myself interested as well as hopefully people who are watching because it's not entirely Doctor Who content but it is mostly Doctor Who content right yeah I mean I do I it is definitely mostly Doctor Who content but even within that there's lots of different things that I try and like get round like i'll do some new stuff i'll do like an audio drama kind of thing i'll do like a um i did like a world enough and time edit a while ago like re-editing the episode um and like stuff like that just trying to talk about different things do reviews do some like doctor who and video games kind of stuff like just try and explore different areas of it and experiment with different ideas that can just, I don't know, get, I guess bring something that if I was myself about five, ten years ago watching Doctor Who YouTube for the first time, something I'd want to see. Yeah, I think it's about making stuff you'd want to hear and stuff you'd want to see, isn't it? I think mm. whatever kind of content you're making, whether you're a you know a YouTuber or you're a musician or whatever, it's yeah. there's no point in making stuff that you wouldn't want to watch or listen to or experience yourself. Yeah, of course. Um. How have you found, because there's a lot of Doctor Who content on YouTube, um, mm. how have you found, do you, f- do you feel it's, it's necessary to kind of uh, find a niche for yourself or are you kind of happy to be just putting your stuff out there and if people like it, they like it and how, I think what's it's, your rela- it, relationship with marketing yourself? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very formal way of asking that. I like that. Um, I never thought of it as marketing, but yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting one. I think it depends what you're after for YouTube. For myself, um, I like to make content. I've always enjoyed making videos, even when it was like family videos back in the day when my like yeah, my brother was yeah. born. Uh, I was like jumping in front of the camera and all that sort of thing. Like I've always had this interest with media, making stuff, mm-hmm. um, whether it be a review of something or whether it be like a gaming video or whether it be something a bit more complex than that down the line. I, I want to try an experiment. And I guess for me, I just... Um, I, I just have fun with it. And as long as I'm enjoying it, then I hope that people would see 
the enthusiasm that I have towards what I'm doing. I feel if I keep making the same thing over and over again, people will sense that I'm getting bored of it and will also in turn be bored of that. So I kind of want to just You're speaking try my language. different things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just like I just put my podcast out there. I don't tweet that much if people like it. I mean, I'm lucky to have kind of built a small audience that like it, but I don't I I feel mucky spending my time courting an audience in any meaningful way. I don't know. Do you find that you court the algorithm in any way on on YouTube? I mean, sometimes I think there's got to be there's there's got to be some elements of it because being at uni and being quite busy quite a lot it's very difficult to go right well what kind of content should i make now there's things that i might fancy making that i want to make and most of the content is that but then something like a, a news article will come out or we'll see some filming for the next series and i'll go you know what i know that a lot of people will flock to that let's make a video about that just to get people on board and then the next video i make which is a little bit more out there and different maybe they'll stay around for that and hopefully that sort of carries on and i've been kind of just trying that out i think really trying to use the algorithm in the way to get people for the big stuff and hopefully they stick around for the things i'm genuinely really passionate about it's a constant balancing act isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um why ace creeper what's that oh it's a weird one i i see <laughs> this is a difficult one because so i've had my youtube channel for um seven years right which is a long time, almost um, almost eight years now. And I've only been doing Doctor Who for the last two, three, four years-ish. Okay, right. Um, so I always just took inspiration from what I used to play around with. And if you go back to the beginning of my channel, even though there were hints of Doctor Who here and there, a lot of it would be like Minecraft and what I was watching at the time. So sure. Happy Wheels or something like Clever Bot Eevee or something like that. But the name what um, Happy came Wheels from... and Clever Bot Eevee? I'm out of touch here. <laughs> what is that? Oh, oh, yeah, that's like old old YouTube, like um, like Let's Plays and stuff. You have okay, people like PewDiePie used to stuff. do that sort of right, stuff. Yeah, right. and um, not yeah, not in my wheelhouse, name... I'm afraid, George. <laughs> um, the name the name came from my Xbox username from when I was like 11 years old, and I used that to make the YouTube channel. It was Ace Creeper 9000, and I watched a Tom Scar video. Um, Got you. Who you might recognise. I know to Tom Scar. Yeah, yeah. As movie, not yeah. personally, but yeah. I know, uh, I know yeah. Him. Um, and he made a video talking about like how to like start a YouTube channel, and he mentioned something about having numbers in the um in the name. So I was like, well, I'm going to remove the nine thousand. Yeah. And beyond then, the channel started growing, and I was like, I don't want to. In case I stop doing Doctor Who primarily in the future, I don't want to make it like Tardis like a guy or something like that. I didn't. Sure. I didn't want it to be anything um, specific. Tardis and I guess guy. if I changed, <laughs> if I changed my name now to something even even like my own name. Um, I feel like people might go, well, what's, what's this? Who's this? Like, who did I say? Cause people do that all the time on YouTube. People change their names and I go, I'm guilty of doing it myself and going, who's this person that I've subscribed mm. to? Who, who, who's this again? I, I can't remember. Going to unsubscribe. I would I don't say want to turn with stuff away. like that. It's true on Twitter as well. I think, but I think you've got to, you've got to, if you change your name, then you, then you have to keep your picture the same for a while because then people will recognize mm. The picture and it'll be fine and vice versa exactly if you change the picture then you've got to keep the name for a bit if you change both yeah. at once then um yeah people do have that reaction of like wait who is this i'm subscribed to who's this i'm following mm. Mm, absolutely um and that's the difficult thing with mine is my profile picture is ac which is yes. <laughs> so yes. really so difficult to... you've got to change your name yeah. to something that also has the initials ac <laughs> And then it's just an endless cycle. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of an odd username. 
Um, but I just kind of roll with it now. I don't really think about it. So it originally came from my Xbox name where I tried to use, I tried to make it, um, cause I played Assassin's Creed and I played Minecraft and I decided to call myself a Assassin Creeper 90,000 or something, but Xbox wouldn't allow you to have that many characters. So I, I made it Ace Creeper instead. Right. Um, and that, and that was, that just kind of stuck. It's I've just kind of went with that since then. We, we find, we, you know, you and I both at the start of the conversation kind of rejected the the idea of kind of marketing ourselves and our content really but mm. i think we do all these little invisible bits of brand management that we can't really avoid oh absolutely it's also yeah. funny that we're starting to get people now gaining no notoriety on various levels using kind of usernames that they didn't even think about i'm thinking about yeah. like i'm i love the artist charlie xcx and her stage name mm. comes from her myspace username when she first got popular and mm. even someone like KSI, who's obviously like one of the biggest yeah. YouTubers in the country, yeah. but now has a burgeoning music career. He mm. he's now going by KSI for his music. And like, you know, if he just started mm. out as a musician, would he have chosen to be KSI? Probably not. But probably not. No. You kind yeah. of you, you're and people are starting making content earlier and earlier, and then you're kind of associated with these. Uh, these brands unwillingly from being from being such a young age it's kind of fascinating mm. yeah no absolutely yeah it, it's it's when people say they don't like even in any way sort of market or manage their youtube channel like and i'm myself i'm guilty of saying that occasionally you don't think about the little things like the whole like the, the name and the profile picture and the, the thumbnails and they've got to be like they've got to pop they've got to look nice it's like you know, it is, it's a weird, it's a weird balance. And, you know, I, I was always, I'll always say that I do make my content for sort of enjoyment and because I love making content and I do love making content, but at the same time, there's a part of me, which is like, well, I've got to, got to make that look a little bit more uh, appealing in the thumbnail. I've got to try and write that in the title just so well, people I think also see that. There's no yeah. shame in wanting people to consume the things you make. Of course. Right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a balance between it's a balance between that and I guess... Um, Otherwise, why put it out at yeah. all? You may as well just save the video is it on your computer. And exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, if people were to... If people are new to your channel then and you were going to mm. kind of direct them to one or two particular videos that you're especially proud of, what, oh, would, you, what would you suggest people, um, people look for? Um... Well, one that I'd always, the one that I'm sort of most proud of, um, it's in within the last year is a video called the complete history of the doctor. Um, it's a one where I, um, basically scripted and like animated all these little things to sort of basically tell the story of the doctor's life in the most basic, um, sense, not detailing every single doctor who story in order, but going from Can you imagine? the earliest, <laughs> yeah, okay. I wouldn't have the time in the world to do that, but to talk about when we first see the doctor as like the foundling and the timeless children, all that sort Got of thing you. and where it goes all the way through to like where Geordie Whittaker is and how I, I basically talk through some like plot hole points and stuff like that. But I feel like that video gives a sense of like who I am as like a person and my personality with YouTube, but also my style of content. Um, and it's generally something that I'm quite proud of. And I am like my own biggest critic. And that is like the one that I've, the one video that I look at and still go, yeah, no, this is, this is, this is pretty decent. I'm quite, I'm still quite happy with that. Um, it must've been quite a lot of work as well to like decide what to include and decide how you were going to phrase oh, certain things and what, yeah. what level of detail you were going to commit it, to. It took me a few months to like, right. I remember starting the the script right after the timeless children. I was like, I want to make a timeline video because it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and even then just trying to include stuff but then trying to justify things as well like big plot holes i think a lot of people talked about the the ruth doctor tardis yeah thing why does yeah. it look like a police box if it's before hartnell and all that stuff so I, I try and give mini potential explanations as to why it could sure. work to make people feel like if they can watch this sort of concise 40 video or even stick it on two times speed and it makes it a 20 minute video and yeah. there, there you go sorted 20 yeah. minutes and it basically sort of covers the bare minimum basics of who the doctor is and like how everything sort of could work if you yes. ignore a couple of elements and just go well just pretend that that works out in that way let's just use that as headcanon for now and see if it gets picked yeah. up on do, do you live in fear that um series 13 of doctor who is going to add further backstory or explain any of those plot holes and your video will be null and void well <laughs> a little bit but I, I guess you for, could just I'm make an update video, right? If exactly. You wanted, yeah. It wouldn't be well, that was, hard. I'm, I made a one for the master before um, the big finish series, uh, Missy series two came out mm. talking about, you know, where th things come in a timeline and all that sort of thing about, and then obviously like the Lumiere gets introduced, which I'm not going to talk, talk too much in case people who are listening haven't seen that, but it basically adds a little extra detail to the master's life around uh, Missy. So I was like, it was right after I made that video, got it out there. And then it's like, oh, here's this other character who's very important. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I've got to make an extra video now <laughs> to talk about that, which is like an add-on to this other video. And it's just, yeah, yeah, it's wild. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it happens. And I'm always happy to um, revisit some of those. And realistically, it'll not be as hard as the first time around because I could just use a lot of the same visual elements and just make a new script and just talk over it, basically. That could also sure. happen and add a few little extra bits in. So it will be a lot easier. Um, Definitely. But yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's building on an existing thing rather than starting from the ground up, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and another one maybe that you'd point to or, or is that mm. the one people should start with? I think, I think I'd recommend that. I mean, other stuff, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because there's so many things that I've done. Um, if you want to see something that isn't Doctor Who, I've, I've recently done a ranking of every film I watched last year. It was kind of a bit of a different one for me. I quite enjoyed doing that one. Um, the audio dramas that I've done, I work with a fantastic um, voice actor uh, called Ellie Chapman, who does a phenomenal Jodie Whittaker impression. Um, and she's worked with me a couple of times to um, adapt the uh, lockdown stories, press play and things she thought while falling, which sure. again, were a lot of fun to do. So that is a bit of a different kind of thing. So that's probably something I'd recommend checking out as well. If that's, if someone's new to my channel, those yeah. either the audio dramas or the complete history, I reckon. Fantastic. Um, where does it all start then for you with Doctor Who? Oh, um, it started for me. I, I was, well, I was born in 2001. So I was never. Are you joking? No. Yeah. <gasps> I was that never. It's painful. I'm sorry. Aware. I was never aware of the wide world of Doctor Who around me. My dad watched Tom Baker and um, a bit, uh, quite a lot of Peter Davison and then sort of tuned out towards Colin Baker because he was getting older as well. And he, I think he just sort of tuned out and stopped watching it. Um, but he he knew the, the Revival series was coming back. And my first memory of Doctor Who is um, I was four years old and I remember vividly seeing um, my dad watching Dalek for the first time. And I, the, the, vivid, the part that I remember is the Daleks starting to like elevate up the stairs and it Got scared you. the, it scared the shit out of me. Mean, yeah. Say that, I mean, I, that I, is terrifying <laughs> for a four year old. Jesus. Away, I was like, Oh my God, that's terrifying. And then the next year 
um, my dad sat me down with a couple of uh, box sets and was like, right, we're going to watch Doctor Who. Lovely. I was like, what's this? I, I like Spider-Man and Star Wars. What's this? He's like, this is, <laughs> this is something different. Let's, let's watch this. And little did he know that was the most expensive mistake of his life. The amount of toys <laughs> I asked for for Christmas, the amount of magazines I bought. Oh, yeah. honestly, yeah. loved it. I showed my... I've got a little sister who's quite a lot younger than me, and I showed her Rose when she was mm. four, and um, it scarred her for life. And she, oh my god! And she apparently, my mum said she mentioned mentioned it every time they went past like shop fronts for the next two weeks, mm. um, and then she refused to watch Doctor Who again for years and years, even when she was getting much older because she was so scarred by this experience of watching Rose. Mm. Um, and then she finally sort. I mean, she's not a Doctor Who fan at all now, but she sort of got into it when the Jodie Whittaker era happened, um, yeah, which I was yeah. quite chuffed about. Um, sorry, I probably sounded patronising when I was so shocked by your year of birth. Because I'm, re- <laughs> no, no, I'm really not fine. significantly older than you, but I think it's just when people are born after 2000, it makes it just it's, jars. Yeah, you know, let's get that uh, a lot. It's quite a yeah, it's quite it's quite an odd one. It's um, but I think it was just yeah. I think with 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 the start of Doctor Who for me, it was it was always great to experience it in the way I did I obviously I would love to have sat down weekly and watched it and been old enough to appreciate the the hype coming back for mm. 2005 mm. but to watch all of series one and two almost back to back before and after school or like every day for a couple of weeks was a fantastic experience and it just sort of totally immersed me in that world um yeah yeah and what about and the Sarah I, Jane adventures yeah. then because you must have been at a better age for that than I was yeah and that's the weird thing is I, I remember watching bits of the Sarah Jane adventures but not like I don't remember watching the full... I mean, maybe I did watch the full thing because when I see clips of it, I'm like, oh, I remember that. But then I don't remember like the rest of the stories. I can't like name sure. a story that I've seen beyond the ones with the doctors in. Um, but Maybe it was just the yeah. sort of thing that was on in the background, like CBBC was always kind of on in the background after school. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely didn't watch Torchwood. That's for something, yeah. I no, I, and, it's, <laughs> and it's good that you didn't at that age. I mean, I, yes. didn't, I was too young to watch Torchwood. Um, and I'm, what, like, I guess six years older than you. Mm. Um, especially yeah. that first season. Um, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> remember my, my dad showing me, tor- sort of saying to me, okay, you're allowed to watch Torchwood now, when I was about, I don't know, like 13? and mm. even, Maybe even 14. And even then he was like, you're not watching day one. <laughs> <laughs> which is the chris chibnall Brilliant. sex monster episode of course um, yeah yeah that one uh so i only I... saw that for the first time like two years ago um yeah my dad finally said okay you're old enough now no i i, I saw it out myself um <laughs> where was i what um, was i going to ask you next yeah sorry you were telling me about how you got into doctor who and became a fan and when did you yeah, realize there no. were other fans out there and that that you know you could there was um, a whole community of people like you well, when I went when I went to school, um, I think that was the first thing. There was a few friends that I had, and I, I can't remember if I introduced Doctor Who to them or whether they'd already watched it. But um, I remember that that whole thing of I, I would have mates who um, also knew of Doctor Who, and I moved house when I was about 10, 11 years old, maybe. And I think that was just as David Tennant was leaving, so I sort of had a few series watching it. And then I vividly oh, remember from when I was around ten years old, I would have mates from the new school who. I would like you'd sort of break time, lunchtime, go out and you'd sort of uh, role play playing a bit of Doctor Who. Yeah. So that was always something that was it was a, a vivid memory of mine. Is just those like like stupid stories that we'd come up with just on the playground, just sure. messing about, you know, with a with a with a stick or like a 
um, like a Crayola pen as a Sonic yeah. screwdriver. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it just, yeah, it's that sort of um, childhood innocence of that sort of imagination thing. I, I vividly Definitely. remember a lot of that. And um, yeah, no, those just, I, yeah, I, getting into Doctor Who, it was, it was, once I'd watched those two series, um, my dad started buying me Doctor Who adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. I started getting the character options figures when I was a kid. And basically from there, I'd, I'd watch like every series, um, when it went out live um and then yeah i think it just it just sort of went from there it hasn't really stopped <laughs> you yeah. never had a lull i mean yeah i mean there's definitely times i think series eight and series nine i was at an age where i was kind of like you know i, I felt like i because i was becoming a, i was becoming a teenager at that point so i was kind mm. of like you discovered I... hard drugs and women right <laughs> At the, at the low age of 13 yes um <laughs> i'd um I, I enjoyed those series and especially looking back i do enjoy them but it was definitely a point where i was watching doctor who and i was like i'm not as engaged as i was but when series 10 i don't think those series are really aimed at a 13 year old really either are they no no i, th- I think it works may- maybe better now or, or maybe it would have mm. worked better when i was, I was but i think it was trying to be darker so i maybe would have appreciated it if i was a couple of years older i think but when series 10 came around um, I made a, um, I made a video about reviewing the pilot when it came out and it got more views than it, than my Doctor Who other reviews usually would. Mm. So I thought, oh, okay, that's like, maybe I'll keep doing these and see if people stick around. Cause it was a time in YouTube where I was like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just sort of did what I, um, wanted just random things. Like I would do some live streams on my Xbox or I do some random, like I, 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 it was, I was all over the place, but that was started catching on and then. I think towards the end of that year was um, when Jodie started filming. And I think I made one video, which was about um, them filming the Rosa Parks episode. And you could see like the bus, you could see Jodie Whittaker um, in like a costume with the, the companions. It wasn't very clear photos, but it was enough to talk about. And I thought, well, I'll talk about this in a video and see how it does. And that did so well in views that it actually started to get a following from it. So I just basically continued from there. And that's when I sort of decided that I wanted to focus exclusively sort of on Doctor Who. And from then, um, to surround yourself by Doctor Who um, as a creator is definitely a different experience to being a casual sort of fan of the show. Um, And it's definitely more taxing. It's definitely one that Definitely. I found I, I found agree. difficult in places um, to sit and because people people seem to forget like because you talk about Doctor Who all the time on the internet it's like so you must like love it twenty four seven and think about nothing else like, actually you know I've got uni I, I actually quite like Star Wars and I still like some other films and you know I, I quite I, I quite like my films and little things like that where there'll be times where Doctor Who can get like too much and I'll go actually I think I need to take a backseat for a little bit people don't notice because I usually just play it off or just don't make anything for about a week and then come back and go oh here's some new news or something yeah um yeah what's your stance then on because i I noticed you've mentioned a few times like filming pictures and making videos about filming pictures and and stuff Mm. that's quite a controversial thing really like a lot of people yeah um object to the sharing of those kind of um pictures and stuff i'm not sure what my stance is but um yeah what's your feeling no i i think i think it's understandable i think if you if you if you don't like it or you do like it i think it's it's perfectly um appropriate either way um i would hope that no one has a a personal grievance against me for talking about these sort of things i don't think it would I I, i but i think talking about the topic can be as you say quite a controversial thing and i think um as someone who sort of caught on to that side of the community 
towards the end of when series 10 was being filmed and some of the horror stories that you'd hear from that of fans who would like stalk like when they're going well, filming yeah i remember and, like, the doctor who set report yeah, hashtag on twitter being that was that's a throwback horror show <laughs> and uh and five view fans kind of trolling that hashtag all yeah the time. yeah and yeah absolutely yeah it was a kind of controversial period for it uh, we but, don't seem to have got as much kind of Mm. weird behavior from fans and, in the and I think, era and i think that's 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 where it, it differs for me because i would never get behind and support that and i would never get behind anyway generally people going out and and basically spoiling huge parts of of the upcoming series or anything like that um my stance on it is because um that's what i talked about and that's what quite a few people on my channel um subscribed for not just actually talking about the filming but actually kind of theorizing a little bit seeing something quite basic and going oh well what if this is the story what what if that what what could they do with that like when the Santarans were seen filming it goes around twitter everyone on youtube's talking about it it would be silly to ignore it so i'll talk about it but i'll go okay so what actual episode could this be what could it be like what episode yeah in yeah. the running order might this be i don't want it to ever feel like i'm going all right okay well let's just talk about this for the sake of talking about it i actually like I, I I partially hate seeing big spoilers, but yeah. at the same time, it's like little things. I'm kind of like, oh, well, what can we pick out of that? What can we take? Well, from especially that? in this era where that they mm. are so stingy with their marketing content anyway. Exactly. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing new to talk about in Doctor Who for a lot. I mean, yeah. with Moffat, at least they released a lot of stuff. So when the set report stuff came out, it was like, well, we already get enough content. We already know John Sim and the Mondalian Sidemen about. Sure. We don't need all this. Yeah, um, they spoiled themselves. So yeah. Have, yeah, it's right. It's true. But with this, is, and I'm not saying it's fair game because they don't release anything, but it's more that like it makes it more interesting to talk about because they'll never confirm it. They'll never talk yeah. about it. They'll never yeah. confirm. I don't think they'll confirm the like the for example like the Weeping Angels or like the Santarans or anything like that. They're not going to confirm that. No. They're not going to talk about. I mean, that. not unless but, it's in a trailer like two weeks before, maybe yeah yeah exactly but it'll be it'll be down the line um and we'll have to wait and see yeah. but i i i i quite enjoy just generally talking about that sort of stuff in a sense of not going oh well here's here's a here's a spoiler for the sake of it but going actually well sure what 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 could this mean for the series like why would the Sontarans be back and why would they look different like why are the weeping angels back what kind of story could you be doing with the weeping angels on a beach in like cardiff like what kind of thing could that thing like the Sontaran video there was like a clip of Jodie Whittaker um coming out the TARDIS and in the background like, I'm not even looking at what they're saying or what they're talking about but there's a couple pumpkins on the side and everyone's uh -huh. picked up on that and gone okay so is this a Halloween episode so that's uh -huh. the kind of thing to talk about and I think it's just keeping the conversation and discussion side of it up I think um just more in a a different format to what you'd expect on like a forum or Twitter or something like that it's sure that's was a different way of doing it and a lot of people cover the same stuff now so as much as I don't like the spoilers and as much as I totally understand why people would um like hate me for talking about these sort of things every now and then it's I I I I, I I'm sort of in two minds about it and I I get that but at the same time it's like I do find the conversation and discussion about it some of the most interesting parts about the upcoming yeah. series. For sure, for sure. I, yeah, like I say, I'm not sure where I stand on it. Would you, if yeah. you were in the area, would you take one of the photographs yourself? Would you snap a long lens shot of a? I don't think I feel I like would. I'm asking a meat eater. Would you? Would you kill the yeah. pig yourself? You know. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, yeah. It feels I mean, like that ethical dilemma. I don't think I would. I mean, it depends on what it is. If I if I saw it and I saw like 
if I saw, for example, like Sasha the one and like Joel Martin, like standing opposite Jodie Whittaker or something, doing something, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to take photos of that because mm-hmm. obviously that mm-hmm. is such a, that's obviously going to be such a big moment. I don't want to be that person, especially if I'm just the only person to see it. But if it, if it's going around Twitter and people see yeah. it, then I'd be what like... What if you just saw the TARDIS park somewhere that you knew they were, they'd be filming? I'd probably get a photo of it, but not post it online straight away. I'd probably wait okay. a bit. Because I feel like when you broadcast the location of something, especially during the pandemic, this is one thing that's sure, really annoying. It's people, yeah. it's people going, oh, where is this? I'm going to go and visit it. No, 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 don't visit it. When I'm talking about this in a video, it's it's, it's about talking about what, what the actual show could be doing, not... Mm-hmm. advertising go go and watch the filming no 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 don't that's again yeah. against the law stay inside <laughs> do do what you're told don't go in just for the sake of like they're doing their job let sure. them do their job if people are on a run and they catch a photo on the way past fair game but people going out of their way to get photos and that i don't like Is i think when it's accidental though, and i don't mean to be too um uh too confrontational about it george oh, but no. is there a sense that that when you're sharing these kind of images you have a responsibility and you know what the response is going to be in terms of people maybe doing that and in terms of, you know, you know that people are wanting to avoid spoilers and they may come across them. Like, you, there's lots of whisks, uh, lots of kind of risks to weigh up when you it's, yeah. share this stuff. I, 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 do, I do think about it and I do consider how it comes across and what is um, talked about. It's something I, 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 get, I get confronted with quite a lot. There's definitely... Whenever I make one of these videos, you'll have, and I think this is the thing, you'll have about, let's say, 500 comments and like about 490 of them are talking about the episode and the other 10 are either someone saying, you know, get rid of Whitaker or Chibnall or whatever, or please don't like spoil it. And it's kind of a difficult one because it's like, I totally understand it and I would totally, it's totally justified. I'm not going to stand here and go, I'm right I'm allowed to post these. Like I am, I, I'm totally within my right to spoil it. I'm, I'm not trying to spoil it. I'm trying to make something uh, content-wise, talk about it and open that discussion, which for the majority of the people who are clicking on that video and watching it and talking about it, it's that's what it's about. It's about the discussion. And I think a lot of the problem it, it comes from is is um, is when it's big bigger stuff. I think people, people don't care if they see like the Rosa Parks bus or they see like a, a TARDIS or Jodie Whittaker or whatever. But I think it's more when it comes to like monsters that it becomes really difficult. Um, morally, do do I make that? Because on one hand, it's like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to spoil for people. And I obviously would never want that. That's never my intention. But at the same time, I look at it and go, but when 20 other YouTubers are making it and everyone on Twitter is talking about it, that it's like, do I just ignore it when I've got people in my previous video going, have you seen the new images? Have you seen the new images? It's a really, it's, I, there's never yeah, a concrete answer. I can understand answer. how that would be there's difficult. never a concrete answer uh, sure. to it. And I'm not ever going to stand there and go, I am totally 100% in the right. Cause I know I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I, and I, I just want to say that I, I totally respect anyone who would, who would have a problem with that. And mm. I am very sorry if I have spoiled anything. Um, <laughs> you know, for the first time, if someone else is, you know... I didn't I, mean I, yeah. to, to eke a public oh, apology no. out of you. Oh, God, no. no, no <laughs> I no, purely no. wanted to generate discussion. You know what, um, It's something I've had on my mind anyway that I've not yeah. actually been able to talk about. Because you sure. can't really do it in a video or you can't really do it on Twitter. It just comes across 
badly, but I, 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 it's something that's been on my mind recently anyway with all the Weeping Angel and the Santara and stuff. It's kind of like, yeah. you see those comments, you're like, oh, do I, do I say something? I don't want to be, but I want people to know I'm, I'm not doing it for, um, for the, for the sake of it to spoil for people. I just enjoy talking about the, the discussion and opening that door for people who might have their doubts about the next series who are going, oh, yeah. we want the Weeping Angels back and going, actually, let's have a, t- let's have a conversation about that. Let's, sure. let's talk about that. Sure. Let's see what that possibility could be. And the views mustn't hurt either, right? No, no, definitely not, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So you, you were invited onto the Doctor Who set for Revolution of the Daleks, as you talked about in a recent video. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a slightly different situation because you were there in a kind of, you know, the the, the production team invited you and you were there in a, in a more official capacity. And um, But what was that experience like? And I know you already made a sort of 20-minute video ab- about it, but um, mm. what were your kind of main takeaways there? Well, I mean, that was a phenomenal experience, as, as, as it would be for um, for anyone to to do that. It, it's it's never it's never never going to be a bad thing, and it's a it was it was great. I, I think you could you could you can say you know hundreds and hundreds of words about it, but you know being on that set for that specific day for that episode was just it, it was it was like being back to being a child again, like seeing the yeah, TARDIS in person, seeing the Daleks in person, seeing. You know John Barrowman in costume. You know Jodie Whittaker in costume. It's like it, it's a very exciting experience, um, and even to be there in a somewhat professional sense to feel like our child again, going around going, "Oh my God, it's the Tardis! It's the Daleks! It's Captain Jack!" You know, it's. Did you? Uh, did you um, were you completely open about your excitement, or did you try and play it cool on any level? A bit of both. <laughs> um, I did. Try, you have to try and. You don't want to seem like of... you don't give a shit, but you've also you also <laughs> want to seem kind of cool, right? Yeah, I want to be like, yeah, no, like it's you know, I'm 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 here. I'm I'm just sneaked in, and I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm here in a uh, you know, you know, I'm 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 here. I'm I'm gonna try and make a good impression in a subtle way, but at the same time, inside, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. Um, who was the rudest and most standoffish person you met on set? No, no one was like that at all. <laughs> I can't. Thing is, like, it's not even, not even in like a, a sort of jokey sense. Like, oh, I shouldn't say. It. No, I, I didn't. Everyone was so like, even to each other. Like, just so watching from an outsider when they stopped filming, they're all joking around and being like ha- having like a good laugh with each other. It was great. It was really great. I think you've got to be patient, haven't you, to work in TV? And I think mm. patience comes with friendliness often. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's not universally true, um, but I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good rule to go by. Mm, absolutely. Um, cool. Should we move on to unpopular opinions, George? Yeah, we can do. Yeah. Great. Now you came to me with three unpopular opinions, all of which were spicy hot takes, which I loved. <laughs> but I went I had for a few the days last. To think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I went for the last one you sent me um, mm. because I. So I'm. Uh, with a friend Johnny who the listeners will know about as I've had him on the the podcast at Christmas um he and I did a Doctor Who watch through a new Who watch through last year and then this year um because lockdown still exists and we've been watching Torchwood on our lunch breaks um and we're currently like at the start of season two of Torchwood Mm. um so the fact that you came with a Torchwood unpopular opinion about uh Torchwood season one I was like oh Mm. well that's perfect because it's fresh in my mind and um, what is your crazy, unpopular opinion, George? I'm trying. To, I'm trying to remember specifically how I uh, worded this. I've got it in front of me. If you want a reminder, and I, I've got it right. Here we go. Cyberwoman is the perfect Cyberman story for a Doctor Who spin-off. 
Now, this is wild because Cyberwoman yeah. is clearly dreadful, isn't it? So <laughs> I'm really interested to see how you justify this and what your yeah. what your take is on it. I, it's not perfect, right? I, I, the, the main issue that I have with it is the costume design of the actual Cyberwoman, right? So yeah, I think that is one of the central problems with the story, in your if head, not the biggest problem. In your head, if you can replace that with like a genuinely like good half converted Cyberman design, if you can do that in your head and think of it just from a story perspective, right. I think I'm imagining it's... <laughs> I'm imagining it's a female Ashad. That's what I'm imagining. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. but more yeah. like gruesome because it's torchwood and you're allowed to get away with it. Sure. I I think from a story perspective, and again. I, it has been a while since I've seen it, so I may be flawed in some aspects, but I genuinely think as an episode, I think because everyone hyped it up to be so like bad as well. When I watched it, I was like, this is actually quite good. This is like, it might not be perfect, sure, but for a Doctor Who spin-off Cyberman episode, not a Cyberman episode in Doctor Who, it would never work yep. in Doctor Who, yep. but as a spin-off for Torchwood, which is trying mm-hmm. to be more sort of leaning towards like R-rated, trying to be a bit more edgy, swear words, mm-hmm. blood, gore, all that sort of thing. Sure. Instead of the whole like uh, sex gas thing that we had in day one, having yeah. this genuine body horror focus. You've got this like the, the man with like the cyber bits in his head. You've got mm-hmm. this basically what is almost like Dalek. That really. guy who gets his... Sorry to interrupt you. You know the yeah. guy who, uh, the doctor who gets his um, himself partially converted and dies mm. at the start of the story, is the yeah. same guy who is the UN Secretary Gen- General in the Pyramid at the End of the World. Oh wow, he hasn't had I good luck. When I was watching it last week, I was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" And then I, um, I googled him, and yeah, he's oh brilliant. He's died I never recently that. in two Doctor Who um, <laughs> uh, jokes. Yeah. Sorry, you were Jesus. saying. No, I, I think it's it reminded me in a sense of what sort of Dalek was for Doctor Who, in a sense where it's yeah. you've got this sort of broken it's clearly trying to go that way, yeah. thing and it sort of gets resurrected and it's sort of like stuck in a base and it can't be let out into the world. But not just that, for a Doctor Who spin-off, it you right, Torchwood, you've got the connection to Doctor Who is Captain Jack. For Sarah Jane Adventures, you've got the connection is Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. And for class, the connection is God knows what. Um, <laughs> yeah. The school, I think. Um, but in Torchwood, you've got the Captain Jack. The connection is that headmaster whose name that I, I forget, Mr. Something. Yes, of course, who dies yeah. like an episode in. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, but you've got Captain Jack, who's the connection to Doctor Who. And then you've got all these other characters. And you're trying to, yeah, I mean, you, of course, you can build the characters up on their own but the fantastic connection that they used in this was not just to make it a cyberman story for the sake of it but to make it not just ianto's um secret girlfriend but ianto's secret girlfriend who was in like canary wharf as was he in the previous series of doctor who so for people who have just watched that series of doctor who and watching this spin-off for the first time to have a few episodes in going oh you remember this thing from doctor who this whole worldwide thing which we are not ignoring this happened and it's horrific. So we're doing Cyberman stuff, but it's different and more edgy and gory. And I, I guess the connection to Doctor Who and making the Doctor Who connection with the Antor to make him like part of Torchwood 1. So he was kind of there. So when you go back and watch Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, you can go, well, Yanto's somewhere in there. And yeah. he's in the, he's in the lose the whole time. 
Yeah, he's just yeah. he's he had a bad curry the night before, and <laughs> he did. he's just he's. Yeah. I love the idea that Yanto had the shits for the whole of, um, <laughs> for the whole of Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Um, but that that's that's kind of my sort of point. I think it's it's more of a, I guess, more of a sort of. Uh, discussion points so feel free to counter it in any way but i feel like oh i will be countering it don't you worry (laughs) i think think as an episode for uh, a brand new doctor who spin-off i think it really did a lot well more than it gets credit for look i don't think i think you're right that it's not as bad as people say it is and i can understand why if you were coming to it um as i probably did from a place Mm. where you had heard its reputation first and Mm. then saw it i can see why you'd think there's actually a lot to like here and like as an action romp it's great and yeah yanto has loads to do and some of those body horror elements are great i i i question the idea that it's successfully it's a successful piece of world building that builds on army of ghosts and doomsday because of the facts and i know they i know they waved this away on screen mm. but um the fact that it's the way in which the cyberman the cyberwoman converts herself and converts others is so um different to the way the cybermen in doctor who in in that it was just putting the brain in a in a uh, robot body right whereas in torchwood it's it's mm. a more uh it's a it's a full body conversion which mm. and they do explain that away with a with a line of dialogue but it still feels like Okay, this isn't quite the same as what we were seeing in Doctor Who and the thematic link. And then uh, then you start, by linking it so strongly to an event in the Doctor Who universe that we've witnessed, you start thinking, okay, how did Yanto get Lisa all the mm. way from Canary Wharf to the centre of Cardiff without anybody noticing? And I know that's like pernickety. But the, it's the mm. you know it's the connections that allow your mind to start going to those kind of places. Of course, yeah, and I I I agree in that respect. It's definitely clumsily put together, but I I think just the sentiment of for a new Doctor Who spinoff, and yeah. I don't I, I I would never I would never claim that it actually builds on Army of Ghosts and Doomsday more so that it uses established Doctor Who events to bounce off. Specific yep. like events, not true. just the character of Captain Jack, but actually going. You remember the most recent episode of Doctor Who you just watched, and that whole event. We're not going to ignore that in this. That still happened within the Torchwood universe. We're going to use an element of that to have a story here. Not to mention, I think it's the only time a Doctor Who monster has actually appeared in Torchwood, um, before yeah, well, and since. I, I think. was going to say it's interesting though that they didn't do it after because mm. like that was the only time they did it, and I think probably that's because they decided that it hadn't really worked whereas in sarah jane mm. you got repeat uses of doctor who monsters because it kind of felt like it was easier to for them to move from one world well, to another yeah I, I i i would well I, I think i would argue in that respect that i think with sarah jane adventures it's it's sarah jane adventures is so close to doctor who whereas torchwood is so wildly different anyway that yes like Cyberwoman definitely had a lot of flaws, but I think the the part of the reason they didn't bring back any more Doctor Who monsters was because the actual the more um, thematically interesting episodes of Torchwood um, and gripping episodes of Torchwood are ones that had nothing to do with that. Even like sure. Countryside, which is talked about all the time, oh my God, barely so any barely any alien involvement 
I think none no, at all. None, yeah. That's so that, kind of and, the and whole like, vibe yeah. of the episode. And it's it's playing on that opposed to and I think, yeah, the connection to the Cybermen thing was interesting. And I definitely think it was it was a and I think that's the the, the point here is it's not about Cyberwoman being a good torchwood episode, but more no. of the sort of best way to start a Doctor Who spin-off to be the fourth episode. Because everything changes was pretty good. That introduces Gwen, that introduces Torchwood as a concept. Day one, let's not talk about Ghost Machine. I mean, day one's not as bad as you remember, right? It's not as bad as you remember. No, and I I did enjoy it. I didn't think it was terrible. I I thought it was unnecessary to be the second episode. But if, let's say, like, like Ghost Machine was second and Cyberwoman was third, then I'd be... Okay, that, that in that sense, I think Cyberwoman is probably one of the best introductions to a new Doctor Who spinoff you could get. Uh-huh. I, that, and I think that's the point I'm making here is is more about not it being a good episode, not it doing many things overly competently, but the actual idea conceptually and the story, the way it's put together, the conflicts, the establishing of Yanto, a character who was very sort of one note until that episode. Um and sort of yeah. building, I think, I, I, I guess building tension with the team as well is an important sure. aspect of it that they never really, that they could have just ignored. They could have just went, well, Gwen's the new person. She has to figure it all out. But actually going, oh, Yanto's been hiding something from these other people who we also have only just met. And now they're going to have a conflict that Gwen has to sort of yeah. watch. And we're sort of with Gwen on the audience side going, okay, well, what's going on here? How do we navigate this? Exactly. I think it's interesting, yeah, to think about, obviously I, I then, critiqued it a little bit for the way in which the the connection to Doctor Who is a bit clumsy and you start to and it allows you to kind of think about the plot mechanics of it and how the Cybermen don't really function in the same way in this tortured episode to the way they did in Doctor mm. Who but I think maybe actually the fact that they operate differently and the conversion works differently and all that maybe works in its favour because as much as on paper yeah Doctor Who and Tortured exist in the same universe it is a different universe it's a Torchwood's a cracked mirror of Doctor Who and the fact that the Cybermen would behave in this more disturbing way and more Mm. adult way in this more disturbing and more adult take on this universe makes sense um makes sense metafictionally even if it doesn't necessarily make sense within the, the universe yeah, right it definitely it definitely would have been nice for them to because in doctor who they have a thing where someone will come face to face with the side men they'll scream and then it'll cut to like a different scene it would yeah. be nice to see a similar style of it so it links it to doctor who but instead of cutting away actually showing the gruesome God, parts of that it, have been good yeah. so you actually see someone's head getting cut open or something like i mean that would have been gruesome but you get that's like an yeah. exaggerated example but it fits within the doctor who context yeah i mean it's definitely not perfect but i think Again, it it is a, it is a weird one, but I think it's and I I personally think it's a shame that there hasn't been more Doctor Who monsters in Torchwood. I would have liked to have seen at least one more, and I still stand by the fact that I think Resolution was an early Torchwood script that's been adapted. I honestly oh, it feels very Torchwood, doesn't it? It's so the whole like, vibe of it. Yeah. It's like what they they don't go like anywhere in in, in sort of space. So it's, it's a Dalek that makes itself out of steel. And then sort of drives around the countryside. You're so right. It's a Torchwood episode. They chase him around in a car instead of a TARDIS, sure. But yeah. it's a Torchwood episode. I just think... Right. yeah. I've always thought that when I watched it. Because I think I watched Resolution... Um, well, I, I started watching Torchwood only like quite soon after I watched Resolution. If it was a Torchwood episode, thought, then, then PC Andy would be Charlotte Ritchie's character. 
Yeah, basically. Oh, wow, how extraordinary. Yeah, so I, I, think... never, I mean, I'd, I'd noticed the similarity to Torture in terms of the way the script works, but I'd never really thought that it might genuinely be an early Torture idea. I mean, it, I could be totally, totally wrong, of course. I mean, it, again, it links into to, um, Revolution, and you can argue that Chibnall's probably had all this sort of stuff planned for Doctor Who mm. from the beginning. But I think the, the makings of it would have made a really good Torchwood story. I, I genuinely believe that having this sort of scrap metal Dalek design, Definitely. which is totally different to Doctor Who, was like... Again, that's like a, a cracked doing... mirror of Doctor Who. Yeah, and this sort of body horror aspect of the Dalek controlling someone. Again, that's a little bit more torchwoody than like we've Fully, seen, yeah. especially if they lent more... In. I mean, obviously, we only saw a little bit in Doctor Who of that, but if they explored the inner workings of that and the way that the Dalek like sort of stabs itself into Charlotte Richie's neck and stuff, it's like, it could have been a lot darker, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We'll never know, but like, if it was, Chibnall, please release that script. I would I love mean, to read it. Whether it was... I, I mean, I doubt... Part of me doubts that it was a, a, a script, mm. but it may yeah. have been an, an early idea yeah, that he's definitely. kind of picked up on again. I mean, you see that a lot, actually. Um, again, watching Torchwood Series 2, I'm noticing that um, the arc of Torchwood Series 2 is basically the Timeless Child arc. And also, oh, yeah. there's a scene in um, the... So I just watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang today, which is the first episode of t uh, Torchwood Series 2. Mm. And there's a scene where Jack arrives back in the hub and um they're all like where have you been jack and gwen is like furious at him and gives him a big shove and is like where have you been and that is the exact <laughs> scene that happens in revolution of the daleks when the doctor oh shows up again in Yaz. it's yeah, like right. the same beat for beat and that's not a criticism of chip of like chibnall's writing at all you know i've got plenty of those but this isn't one of them it's mm. that's just a bit of handy self-plagiarism it's him it's, kind of yeah. reworking what he's the stuff that has worked before you know oh I, I i definitely agree i don't think it's the first time doctor who's done that either i think doctor who cannot actually work quite well when it does that sometimes i mean like you look at um mark gatiss and i love mark gatiss um i don't particularly love a lot of his doctor who stories but i do um mm. love the passion and energy he has for the show but you look at something like for example um a, a for effort from Mark, for Mark Gatiss from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like the Empress of Mars is basically just Victory of the Daleks and Cold War combined. And he wrote all three of those yes, stories. true, true. And even thinking about Stephen Moffat, I mean, I see The Girl in the Fireplace as basically a test run of the entire Amy Pond and River Song arcs. In, oh, hang on. In what way? In the sense I, that he's... In the sense that he shows up um, and he meets... Um, well, River Song less so, although there is a sense that he's meeting this woman at various stages in their life and they're kind of, uh, they're out of sync and they can't, and they're mm. sort of bound by time and and time is kind of getting in the way of their relationship. But there's also a sense with the Amy Pond side where it's like the doctor meets Renette when she's a child and then oh God, accidentally yeah. doesn't meet her again until she's an adult, which is exactly what happens with Amy Pond. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think, again, these things won't even be conscious for these writers, but it's just what oh, happens probably not. when you're a writer. Um, yeah, but I think there's definitely, a, there's definitely a strong similarity between that of um, um, the Torture Series 2 and, and Series 12 of Doctor Who, the way it's like structured with the overarching story. Um, I mean, even the fact that Captain Hart in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is like, just as he's about to disappear, he's like, Oh, by the way, Jack. 
Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, yeah. whatever he says. And that's yeah. exactly what happens with Sasha Doan when he shows up at the end of um, Spyfall and is like, oh, by the way, be very scared because something big's coming. Mm. Um, you know, it's all these little details. If you were to bring, um, to have brought uh, other Doctor Who uh, monsters and villains into Torture then, which ones do you think would have worked? Because I think some would work and some wouldn't. God, that's a difficult one. Well, the the one that I always go to for, I mean, usually for Doctor Who uh, in the future, and I still stand by they should they should bring these monsters back, but also Torchwood, you could do a lot with it, is the Krillotain, because they can oh, be right. different every time they come on screen. Oh, God, yeah. In School yeah, Reunion, true. the Doctor says that last time he saw them, they just looked like humans, but with really, really long necks. They just adapt every time they go to a different planet. So why not make them more ferocious? I mean, they already eat children. Let's just point that one out. And they could very easily look totally, totally different, but still have like Anthony Head there as a bit more yeah. brutal and a bit more pissed off Gosh. than he was in School Reunion. That could work. But What about if you had Quillotane show up and they were, I mean, they could do this in Doctor Who as well. And yeah. they were some kind of, and it would be cheap for them to do as well. Um, and they were some kind of um, Frankensteinian amalgamation of um, a couple of different Doctor Who monsters. Yeah. And it was because they'd invaded those planets. So I don't know, for example, mm. it was like, an amalgamation of a Sycorax and a nude, but it's a Krillotain. No, absolutely. I, I, I love that idea. I, I think the Krillotain are always ones that I skipped on for School Reunion, which is actually quite a, uh, not, but yeah, I would say a fan favourite episode. It's quite a, it's quite a decent episode. Um, it kind of gets forgotten about that the Krillotain can just look like anything and they've never been brought back. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of feel like it's one that, if I was show running, I'd be like, that's that's the first one we've got to do. We could just make the monster do anything we want, have any ability we want, and just call it the Quillotain and have Anthony Head back. I suppose the argument against it, yeah, if you were bringing Anthony Head back, that would be the key thing. Otherwise, it's like, why? It's just sort of a, a reference then, isn't it? For the sake of yeah. you're not actually getting any value from bringing them back. Um, oh, I know, I, of, of course. And I, and I, and I definitely... I definitely respect that. There's always got to be kind of a good a good reason for everything. I think it's just exploring those um, creative ideas in the same way that I kind of low-key wish they'd referenced um, the Rachnos and the Nikola Tesla episode in Series 12, just mm-hmm. because they were so similar to the uh, Scythra. It would have been yeah. nice to have it, because, I mean, what, the Scythra were scorpions, the Rachnos were spiders. But that's, they're pretty close, surely. Like, I mean, you've got to, yeah. you've got to at least reference it or talk about it. I feel it's, like, if, um, yeah, there's a sense that if you're going to plagiarise something, whether mm. fondly or whatever, you've got to, if you reference you're doing it, then it you can get away with it more easily. And mm. yeah, but they maybe should have done that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure though. I mean, in Doctor Who, Torchwood generally, I, I can't really... The, the, there's always like go-to monsters. The Krillotain's always the wild card because it always surprises people when I go the Krillotain because of course it's it's what not one people think about. But then there's other ones like you know I don't know about Torchwood, but Vashna Narada I'd love to see again at some point. Oh, yes. it's just they need to do something with them because it's just it's, it's like honestly almost if not well, I'm not going to say better because that'd be controversial, but probably almost as good as the Weeping Angels in terms of like an actual original monster. And it's like they've just never been mm. touched upon. And I, and I would love them to be so many ideas you could do with them. You know, you even had the Doctor Who adventure games. You had that underwater one, which was all, yeah. which I mean, it was, it was, it was crap, but you know, it, it was still like a well, decent. And class ripped it off for the Shadowkin, didn't they? Oh God, I was so convinced we were getting <laughs> the Dash and the Rada back. You know, I was like, oh my God, they're finally back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Weeping Angels. I think they could make a great sort of um, tight 45 minute disturbing, of sort of like more disturbing version of Blink 
for Torchwood with the Weeping Angels. Yeah, definitely. 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 And it's mo- almost more the existential threat the Weeping Angels pose is even greater in a show like Torchwood because those characters don't have the access to time travel that mm, exactly. the Doctor has, you know? Exactly. Um, so it would be even more frightening. Yeah, I um, mean, that would, that would have been great. Um, in terms of, you know, I wouldn't exactly say like the Slovene were very well suited to Torchwood. No, um, definitely. You know, there's this... But I think there's lots of monsters that just kind of get forgotten about. There's there's so many, like... But I think there's so many ideas waiting to be unpicked uh, now. Like, I mean, I think Big Finish are covering most of them nowadays, but I think um, there's so <laughs> it's many like different... like that thing about yeah. if, you, um, if you can think of it, there's porn of it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if you can think Rule of it, for there's Who. a big... Yeah, there's a big finish of it. <laughs> Rule 35. If you can think of it, there's a big finish of it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely go going back to cyberwoman for a sec mm. i know we kind of covered this at the start of the of the chat but i think whatever the merits of the story are there's a sense that it's impossible to overstate how much of a bad choice that costume is like even yeah. if you go God, okay we yeah. ignore the costume whatever like it's so yeah misjudged as, that it's impossible a, a, as to a ignore. story as a story i love it and i think especially mm. with like the ending and the, the whole thing of like putting her brain into the pizza girl's head and even yeah even, although how does she pull that off because she's got to have taken her brain out of her own head i don't know but then... this is doctor <laughs> who we're talking about i just forget about that and enjoy yeah. the line about the dog pissing on a tent i think that's wise um yeah. but i in terms of the costume yeah it's terrible yeah no i mean but what what makes me laugh is when people go um God, yeah. Why, why, why would you? I think it was just before Series Eleven came out. Everyone was like, "Why are you excited for Series 11? Chibnall's doing it. Remember, he came up with the um, Cyberwoman costume. We're like, he's not a costume designer. Yeah, he didn't design. He didn't design it, that. Sure. He wrote the episode, but yeah, I mean, sure, he wrote the episode. That's enough of a criticism. That's not. I'd be interested to see how much of it was in the script. I don't. I'd be interested to see whether Chibnall was like, and she's wearing a cyber thong and bikini, and I don't. And th- I don't here. know how anyone could write that and go. You know what? <laughs> that's what we want that's what we want script but editor no drew thanks. it and designed it and, yeah. and made it and then someone wore it and then they shot it and everyone was like yep this is good <sighs> it is so a terrible get, costume isn't it i don't know the thing that gets me is how how rubbery it looks i mean the cybermen costumes never really looked as if they were made of yeah metal anyway they always looked a bit rubbery but it, it's it literally like the neck piece literally um like folds and moves as she's as she's moving yeah i, I suppose that's the so one thing crap. is you've got to try and make it look realistic and if it if it moves when the actor moves then surely it's not realistic metal you know yeah exactly exactly and like yeah i mean it's not even worth talking about but the fact that the the cybermen apparently made sure they covered her modesty first in the conversion process yeah, you know what I mean? well, like, the, the, the side man are a bum and fanny and and breasts are done, and then we'll we'll sort all the rest of it out later. Like, surely that is not how the conversion <laughs> process would work. But, um, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What about the sequence where she fights the the pterodactyl? <laughs> you know what? I'd forgotten all about it, and then I it happened in the episode, that. and I was I like, "This is." I had forgot. I can't believe I've forgotten about the pterodactyl. <laughs> Doesn't she fight it with barbecue sauce or something, or is that someone else? Um, they eventually, um, I think they 
uh, squirt her with barbecue sauce in of order course. to get the pterodactyl to, to attack her in the first of place. Of course, yeah. Which is truly hilarious. I mean, the fact that we're talking about torture as if it's this mature take on Doctor Who when yeah. that is the that's the end of the story you know I'll, I'll retract my controversial take this is mad i haven't i, I need to rewatch it i i to just be fair no i like that about this i don't hate the planetary dactyl thing i could i think it's sort of camp in a fun way yeah but then so is most of torchwood that's exactly that, that i'm pretty sure that's the log line for torchwood camp yeah, in a fun for way. Sure. yeah i mean i do wonder whether because that's oh, the re- only real time that the pterodactyl has any influence on the plot in any tortured episodes as far as i can remember so i did wonder um whether it was invented for that episode do you know what i mean i was i wondered whether chibnall was writing and he was like how do i resolve this like uh maybe torch would have a pet pterodactyl and it fights her like and then they inserted it into the other episodes i don't know yeah i think that's i think you're exactly right i think that's the only (laughs) reason to have a visual of a Cyber woman fighting a pterodactyl. I think. Sure. I think in their head. I think probably in Chibnall's head, he was like, the imagery of a Cyberman, like, like sort of trying to fight an actual pterodactyl, is mm. really cool. Mm. It's the kind of thing you'd see in like um, the sort of eighties uh, like um, Doctor Who annuals, like the cover of that, like sort Definitely. of painted in the background, it feels like very a Cyberman fighting a pterodactyl. It's kind of a cool concept, but then. You, it's the sort of thing you come up with on the playground. Yeah, and you you add the um you add the CGI element, and you go, oh oh dear, and then you go, well that's actually not a Cyberman. Let's make it a Cyber Bikini, and then you go, oh Christ, and then you add the barbecue sauce, and then it's uh, and then it's and then it's what you see on screen. Yeah, the CGI elements are really um I mean they're not great in early New Who, but they're especially no, they're, bad in Torchwood. They, they you are. can really tell that they've. They didn't have any money. It was Small Worlds that really got me. Small Worlds is the one. It's full, yeah. um, like, it's full PS2 cutscene stuff. It's <laughs> oh, really yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's something. I think the rest of the series, other than, I think Small Worlds was the only thing that really properly, like, got to me. I think because they did use quite a lot of practical and mm. more grounded character-based episodes grease uh, bearing gifts you had that sort of cgi creature from sarah jane adventures kind of gets away with it though because it's a bit more yeah exactly looking. but then um, like they keep killing Susie. random shoes uh, they don't yeah. have any a- abaddon in in end of days looks pretty crap yeah i mean that's notoriously terrible i think that's generally accepted now to be appalling like that, that just yeah. looks awful <laughs> it doesn't look good i mean the small world's fairies look worse though yeah that they are because they're, they're weird really they're weird and spindly and like just out of proportion it looks like another sort of blue peter winner monster it looks yeah it just looks t- it, i mean not again well, it's the way the they're comped in as well it like just, it looks yeah. like a yeah it looks like a youtuber is is comped in yeah that's exactly what it it, it, it almost feels the like the, the it almost feels like the people on set uh, and on location like the director and that actually didn't know what these monsters would look like or how they oh, would definitely. act and it's just sort yeah. of like moving the camera for the sake of moving the camera so it that they could do something when they're eventually added in but mm-hmm. i feel like there was just a huge disconnect between um whoever was uh director um and who was the CGI artist? I think there's a huge disconnect in that episode. When yeah. you look at that, it's like, oh, oh dear. I, you know, I think film and TV have really learned now that you, if you're going to use CGI, it has to be in collaboration with the 
with what's happening on set and you've got to provide mm. light lighting references and you've got to know what things are going to like before you shoot really yeah or at least kind of a vague understanding whereas i think then it kind of the director's understanding of it of cgi was oh well they'll put it in later so i don't need to worry like they'll work oh, yeah. around what i do which is not really i don't know i think we've, we've learned from that no absolutely the, i think to be fair it's quite ballsy of them um because if you look at it i mean the end of 2006 like th- this is very i mean i think they just didn't know what they were doing with Torchwood when they started it they knew they wanted like a a captain jack based adult spin-off for doctor who mm-hmm. but i don't mm-hmm. think they knew exactly what they wanted and i think that russell t davis was too focused on doctor who to actually give it his full attention which is totally fair enough that's not a criticism of um russell i think he's totally right to not have his entire focus on torchwood i feel like if he did have his entire focus on torchwood it would have been a lot better but no one was asking for that you know we we, we want like you need to think like torchwood went from october 2006 to like january 2007 and that's obviously just before like series three started as well it's like i don't i don't know how anyone could be expected um could be expecting russell davis to actually jump in and put as much focus on that he did with doctor who but at the same time possibly have done i mean there's a there's a bit in the writer's tale where he's talking about how he was originally supposed to write kiss kiss bang bang and that whole opening section with the blowfish is is written by him Mm. and then he just he essentially has a meltdown and he's just like i can't i'm writing doctor who I'm I'm exec producing Sarah Jinovich's and I'm trying to write this mm. tortured episode as well. Yeah, no. Um, and in the end, he has to go, Chris, just do it. You just need to do it because I can't, you know. Yeah. Um, it's... But you're right. But I think that's what makes the first season of Torchwood so um, interesting is that it's kind of doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, yeah, and I, and I definitely agree with that. I think it just, it's one of those things that you can sort of, tell it's something that they maybe should have waited a bit longer for but then again they incorporated jack into series three of doctor who so i guess that they had they had that time to do it and that was it and it does feel rushed really you know what i mean yeah it does yeah. feel quite rushed but it's yeah. in a good way in appeal, a charming though. way i and i i honestly like i i love the first two series of torchwood children of earth's brilliant but that doesn't even be talked about children of earth's always been brilliant you know, everyone loves Children of Earth. It's great. But yeah. Series 1 and 2 of Torchwood, I think, has so much charm. And I love the... Yeah, I think with t- Children of Earth, you may as well be talking about a kind of different show. Mm, exa- yeah, exactly. And definitely with Miracle Day. Yeah, I've not even seen Miracle Day, you know, but I'm planning <laughs> to include it in the watch along. So I will be seeing it it's, within the next month or two. It is. It's interesting. It's not... <laughs> I, I don't think it's terrible, but I think it's so weirdly done it's so so american it really i don't know i presume i think they sold it to like a, an american company to sort of like half fund and make it so they probably have yeah, more of a I say so. but my god it's just very very strange there's a lot of elements of it that i just i like it it's it's nice but i would never go back to watch any of those again right it doesn't feel I'd like i'd be Torchwood. interested to, to hear russell talk about it because i know he wrote some of the episodes of it and he was obviously exec producing it and everything and it was kind of meant to be his big american thing Mm. and i don't know it wasn't very well received and nobody really likes it very much or very Mm. few people do and it always strikes me that when stephen moffat talks about his work he's he's more likely to be self-deprecative about it and is 
is kind of mm. um, has been quite forthcoming with some some self criticism of of choices that he uh, made that he doesn't necessarily agree with anymore. Mm. Um, whereas Russell, when he gets interviewed, just gushes about everything, and he said that he does that kind of essentially to protect the people that he worked with. Um, of course, which is which is which makes sense. But he also seems less he seems lo- less self critical looking back and it would be, and it would be interesting to see what he how he responded if asked about something that so clearly didn't work for people mm, of course and i think there's got to be some sort of level of self-awareness there i think it's not a fault of um a fault of him but i'd be int- I, I agree i'd be interested to see what he would have to say about that because i feel like and I, I, the my relationship with Miracle is really weird because I, I sort of did a reaction series for Torchwood on the channel a while back, and I watched episode nine of Miracle Day, um, around December two thousand nineteen, and then I right. and I watched episode ten yesterday. It's been over. No I, I just didn't. I just never went back to it. I always said I'm going to record the reaction for the last episode. I'll get round to it. Never did. Part of that's because it's you know recording a reaction to something can be quite tiresome, especially when you're not really engaged. But yeah. just like generally, the way it's put together is so off-putting. I find I, it just doesn't feel like anything to do with Doctor Who or Torchwood or anything like that. You, you could very easily yes, cut I've it out. I've never seen it, like I say, but it's always struck me as this doesn't even feel like the Who universe. Like it does not feel like. Mm. Exactly. It just feels like an entirely separate show. Like even the premise of it, the fact that it was airing alongside Doctor Who series six, just feels like wow. These two things couldn't be more different. Mm. That that's the first sort of indicator that something's wrong here. You know what I mean? Mm. With every other like series of like Torchwood, it sort of led into or came right after Doctor Who, but this one was just kind of doing its own thing. Really, it wasn't. Yeah, but I guess mm. I, I suppose that's after it's disconnected from Doctor Who almost because it's still Russell T. Davis's thing and he that's at right. that point had no affiliation with, well, n- not no affiliation with Doctor Who, but no like direct involvement with the production of that. Yeah. Um, and because it was, I believe, I don't even know if it was like a, was it even on BBC? Yeah, it was on BBC One, but it was, yeah, it was also aired on the American network Stars as well. So it's kind of that's like, right. it's... It was all. It was almost primarily focused on the American audience, and I think that's where it sort it of seemed like it. Yeah, yeah. The BBC had less say in it, I believe. Oh, but probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a weird um, one. What about the future of Torchwood? Because it gets brought up every now and again, usually by John Barrowman himself. Um, uh, when we were talking, yeah. when I was talking to Joy Piedmont about Revolution of the Daleks, we kind of picked up on the fact that there's a sense in that story that. Chibnall probably isn't planning a Torchwood return, but he certainly deliberately leaves the door open for it in that episode. Yeah. There's a deliberateness about how he references Gwen, leaves Jack on Earth. Like, it's all, it all seems to be going, okay, that's possible. I feel like if he was wanting to, like, directly set up a Torchwood um, sequel, we'd be seeing, like, um, uh, like, an actual shot of Jack knocking on, like, Gwen's door and Gwen opening it and being like, you know, a long time no see. Definitely. That would have been And this like, is what yeah. I mean. I don't yeah. think he's setting it up in any meaningful way, but I do think he's... I would be surprised if he hadn't... You know, if he wasn't having thoughts in the back of his mind. I'll be honest. Deliberately I, I, left it open I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Chibnall does Doctor Who until he gets tired of it and opens up Torchwood again so he can do that. 
maybe. Yeah. Maybe another series maybe. of Torchwood, like a series five for um, like TV again. But down, this is down the line again. Like he's planting the seeds for something that may or may not happen depending on yes. how he feels in a few years time like he this is what i mean yeah it's like leaving it there just in case i don't think he's hinting at it i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon i know john byron no. would love it to happen but i don't think it's anyone's say really other than chris chibnall and probably the higher-ups at the bbc i think yeah i wouldn't hate to see it if they had a story to tell and you feel like you've mm-hmm. got a torchwood story to tell tell it i'd love to see it but if it's just doing Torchwood for the sake of doing Torchwood, then don't bother because I'd rather just leave it on where we left it. And if like, even if that is Miracle Day, so what? Like, I don't want to, I don't, I, let's not, I, I, like, let's we not make forget it, any it happen. Worse. Anyway. Yeah. We've got three yeah. solid series. Let's not even out that ratio of good to bad just yet. Like, let's just. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely need a new take on it because I mean, in part because Torchwood pretty much, um, uh, jettisoned its entire cast over the course of its run but yeah i i think i i would never what i would say is if they were going to do something like that it's not torchwood do call it something different and have captain jack um gwen cooper osgood kate stewart and maybe like someone else Mm. like mickey or martha or something like have Mickey and martha is the dream that'd be amazing have like some of these characters we've had unit disbanded we've had sort of hints of Gwen and Jack meeting back up. It's like, what if you had this idea that it's not Torchwood, it's not Unit, it's sort of this thing in between that's an amalgamation of Mm. key Doctor Who characters. I don't know. Maybe it's something that they could play with, but I'd rather that than Torchwood Series 5. I'd rather that than them try and drag up something of the past because I don't want Jack and Gwen teaming up with other people again that we don't know. I feel like we've had that with Miracle Day and it didn't work so if you're gonna do torchwood again and you're gonna because you can't just have a two-person torchwood team if you're gonna do it again well you can't to... you i mean I, i'm thinking of the x-files that's a that's okay well i torchwood mean with a, with a duo could you do a just it's just jack and gwen and they're going around solving mysteries and i suppose you could doing I, cool suppose, I suppose you could if you wanted to um i guess but I feel like the way, like even within the world of Torchwood, whenever there's like two of them left, they're always like, or even like three of them left, they're almost like, oh, let's just disband it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're yeah, like yeah. the last one standing, like Torchwood 1's gone. It's just the last Torchwood hub, and even the hub's gone. So, mm. like... Well, the, the hub's gone for half of the seasons of Torchwood when you think about it. Yeah, that's the hub, quite... The hub explodes at the start of uh, Children of Earth. Mm-hmm. It's just funny when you think about it. Yeah, that's quite a, a weird one. And then, uh, but I, th- I think you'll see when you watch Miracle Day that it's it's different. It's too different, not just because of the American style, but having Gwen and Jack as the only recognisable characters really like mm. in Torchwood and then no hub. It's like, and leaving Cardiff as well. It's like, well, what what is, you know, what what are they? Yeah, yeah it's you've removed weird. too many of the elements now. So I feel like if they were to it's, do it again, it's like, yeah. I wouldn't call it Torchwood. I'd call it something else and mm. give us someone like Kate Stewart back. Because I'm sure like Jimmy Redgrave, I think that's her name, would, would be delighted to come back and do something, maybe even part-time on Torchwood or like a, something like that where it's like a Doctor Who spin-off. Sure. She'd be like a main lead character and not like a side character. It'd be, it'd be pretty good. I, I just don't... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I think it's... I think there's all sorts of yeah. characters that are options there for that. Yeah, um, exactly. For sure. You got people. Sure. You got people like um, 
I don't know, even even like Sophie Aldred, I'm sure like she she'd love to yeah. come back and do something or you, you know there's there's I mean I don't know that that's super marketable but No, um, no, but I I th- yeah. I feel like at the same time it's 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 a sort of thing of that instead of having a character that like people don't know have a character that some people might not know and let's mm-hmm. introduce them to that and then that sends them back in time a little bit so the diehard fans who've been around in Doctor Who for quite a while will go oh my god it's Ace what's she doing what's she been up to um yeah but people who don't know who this is will be like okay who's this and then they'll go and research it and then go oh my god oh. it's a companion like from way back when same effect yeah. that Sarah I mean kind of like really. when they did the Sarah yeah. Jane adventures right exactly yeah same yeah. sort of thing it's it's like uh I don't know I, I guess it's something they'll play around with but I I don't think we've seen the last of Jack oh no definitely not definitely not and I'm excited yeah. to see where that goes there wasn't a proper goodbye and i feel like if that was the last time we saw jack it was a very weird way to end it there was no proper goodbye there's always a jack goodbye well, there's, there's always... been a lot of chat about that about like did they have to cut a scene like was something changed in the edit like it felt it, it was all adr'd and it felt wrong it felt weird and i yeah. genuinely believe that what this was was that they genuinely just didn't write a goodbye scene or maybe they did and they didn't either film it or they didn't feel that it worked or for whatever reason. I wonder whether certain COVID stuff meant that like they just didn't could weren't able to film it. But then again, but they filmed they finished filming before oh, shit. Christmas yeah, yeah, twenty nineteen. So Yikes. Even when it's like well, thank God they did, but it is something that they went that's clearly in post where it's like, well, Geordie's done on the TARDIS, you know, John's got back John's gone back to like America we'll call mm. him up and he'll, he'll record this line and all that sort of thing. And just to, yeah. just to make it better, we'll add a, we'll add a hint of Gwen in there just to be like, Oh, just so people don't mm. question the phone call too much, which works. People are distracted by the Gwen reference. That's yeah. so true. Like, oh, Gwen. Oh, Gwen. Not even thinking about the idea that they actually haven't had a proper goodbye. Every Jack Cheeky story Chris, has a, like. a goodbye between him and the doctor. Every single time there's yeah. a lovely little goodbye. There's a lovely little moment between them. And there wasn't this time around. Well, apart from when the Daleks kill him and then the Doctor just fucks off. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, yeah, um, obviously, other than that, yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for talking to me, George. It's been... No really worries. It's been a pleasure. Where can people find your stuff on um, Twitter and on YouTube? Um, on Twitter, I am at AceCreep2 and on YouTube, I'm AceCreeper. Nice. I'll put that stuff in the description anyway, so nobody needs to worry about spelling it or anything. <laughs> What's coming up for you on um, on the YouTube side of things? Um, I'm floating around a few ideas at the moment. I'm currently planning on um, bringing forward a Doctor Who version of Drunk History. Um, oh, nice. Which should be quite cool. fun, getting a few guests on and a sort of having a bit of fun with that sort of concept um, and trying that out and see if people like oh, that. Amazing. But yeah, that's something that I've got coming soon. But beyond that, I'm not really sure. I need to do some more planning. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Molly underscore Martian. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at Galactic Yo-Yo Pod. Um, and you can email me at galactiopod at gmail.com with all your complaints and questions and um, anger. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening and bye-bye, everybody. Bye.